What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's the whole crew. We got Candace, David, and Isaac. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies did play a game tonight. Final score, 115 to 106. They lost the Hornets. That's really about all that we need to say about that game. And like, I, I'm not really interested in, in talking about that a whole lot. Uh, quite a few moves made, some moves that maybe surprised people. Uh, the David Roddy move actually was shocking to me. Out of the three wings, he was the one that I least expected to go. But he may have been the only one with value is why they moved him. So we'll we'll see how that works out for the Grizzlies. Isaac, let's go to that one first. We'll we'll break all three of these down. Our uh, Stephen Adams happened first, so let's back up to the Stephen Adams trade. Um, we had Kleiman was available to the media, so we got some stuff to talk about there. There's just a lot to unpack. We'll go to the uh, Houston Rockets Memphis Grizzlies trade. Stephen Adams goes to the Rockets. The Rockets send Oladipo and three second round picks to the Grizzlies. Oladipo is later cut in order to make room for the Grizzlies to make another trade. I know, Isaac, that you you have kind of said you didn't you're not convinced that Steven Adams is ever going to be able to come back and be the guy that he was. How did you feel about what they got in return? Yeah, um, I think, and I could be completely off base. Maybe maybe he does come back and. He's that same guy, but I, I think it's unlikely. Um, and as I've said many times, you're talking about a seven-footer that's going to be 31 years old, going to be coming off at about a year and a half layoff. It's just going to be tough for him to come back and be that same guy. And I think even if you do see that same guy in flashes, I think being consistent with it and thinking that he's not going to have possible reincurring knee injuries and lower body injuries because of that, I think is a, a fool's error. Like even if he comes back and starts starts game one with the Rockets, and he looks like that guy. I think at some point you're going to see him miss games for maintenance or just re-injuring that knee. Because once you start having knee problems, especially as a big man, and you get older, it's not going to get better. <laughs> that's not something that usually gets better. It usually gets progressively worse. Um, and especially and that's for a regular person. Not alone talking about a seven footer going out banging on that knee playing basketball every night. That's completely different. So I would be shocked if that's the case. So I think Zach Kleiman made the right move here. He made the right call. I don't think you were going to be depend on Steven going forward. Uh, so it, it made sense to move off of him. And I think all things considered, I think getting Victor Oladipo, which is his salary relief, they they cut him to, to facilitate the Phoenix trade. Um, but they get salary relief with, with Steven Adams due to make 12 plus million next year. You get that money off your books and you take on the nine plus million of Oladipo and, and that's falling off your books. So you completely clear that twelve point five million off your books, which had you up against that apron, uh, which now you're not at that point anymore. Um, and that we talked about the Luke Kennard stuff and the implications there. Uh, but to get three second round picks in Oladipo, I think it was I think it was good. Uh, because people look at second round picks and they're like, Oh, those are just second round picks. What are we gonna do with those? Um, second round picks are like goals in, in, in the, the modern NBA. I mean, there are lots of different things you can do. We've seen this front office time and time again move back up into the bottom of the the, the first round um, and get guys like Desmond Bain, uh, Santi Aldama, um, and, and those two of those second-round picks can turn into a first-round pick. Uh, we saw the trade that they went out and got Luke Kennard for Denny Green in three seconds. 
Um, that you mean there's a lot of things you can use those second round picks to package with guys unwanted contracts to 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 ship guys out to try to get them off your books. Those those second round picks are valuable, so don't take those lightly. Um, and, and the salary cap thing was big for this team. Um, Kleiman kind of talked uh, yesterday about kind of that situation, but kind of said that they money won't be a won't be a detraction of, of them going out and, and putting pieces around this core to to yeah, build hold, it. Hold on, hold on. I, I don't want you to go too far into that. I do. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to go okay. that depth. But okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of kind of touched on that. Uh, so uh, the the money stuff makes a lot of sense. I understand exactly why they made this deal. Uh, they needed to, to to clear some money, and that's what this does, man. It kind of resets them. The the question now is, how do they rectify that that five position? There's been a lot of talk about Jaron being the the five going forward. I'm not a fan of that. I've never really been a fan of that. I mean, that's kind of been talking that ever since he came into the league that at some point he was going to be a five, and I just think he's at his best at the four. Um, when, when you play him, can you play him at the five? He can play there, but I think it it increases his injury risk. I think it takes away from him on defense because he can't roam and do some of the things that he does on the defensive end. I think that's why you've seen his defense drop off a little bit this year because he's been playing more five and he doesn't have any protection back there. So the deal made, made sense. I know we all love Steve-O, how popular he was. Here, man, we got a lot of fans uh, from from New Zealand and the Australia area from having him on the team. They kind of tuned into the Grizzlies because of Steve O. So he's going to be missed. Um, I mean, the, his presence, just on and off the floor, man, was just fantastic. But right? always hilarious to hear him in interviews. Just a presence on his team, man. Just not only his play that he's going to be missed all the way around, man. But I think for for Zach Kleiman in his front office, I think looking forward, I think they understood that this was the right move to make, and and I totally agree with. Him. Yeah, and and while while I don't necessarily know or or feel confident that it's it's as it does in terms of if he'll be able to be the same player, I do think there's a ton of legitimacy to the fact that even if he does come back, I do think I think I, one I do I, my guess is he's more likely to play than not, or at least to try to play. Now I do think that he might have ongoing problems. The reason why I feel a little bit more optimistic he'll come back and eventually play is because. The guy played preseason games with obviously still having that, you know what I mean? And still needing surgery on that PCL. And he looked fine. You know what I mean? Like he looked, he looked fine. Um, but that was in limited minutes. And obviously, like there was a lot of maintenance behind that. So post-surgery, my guess is he may be one of those guys that when he's on the court, he's good and he's what you need. Cause he you need simple stuff from him. You need be big guy stuff like his game does by no means is determined by athleticism rebounding. I think he can still do a lot of that stuff, but I do think you might see him have a lot of injuries where he used to be pretty much Mr. Reliable on the team in a lot of regards. I do think that that changes. And I agree with Isaac in that regard that I think he starts missing long stretches. And so in terms of the future, you know, would he be worth that? extension that they gave him 12 million I think is would he be worth that would you get that value I don't think so I really don't I think the best thing was absolutely to move on and get and get that money off the books because you needed the roster spot because you needed the money and so uh from that perspective I'm with the decision I really wish they would be a little bit more intentional about trying to plug and play other wings other than just on the 
10-day contracts. I wish they'd try to, you know, I, I get it was an injured player for injured player, Oladipo for Adams. Would have loved it if it was another big or something that they could have got, but ultimately they waived him anyway. So, you know, I get the point. Um, I do feel like, you know, and I think they'll in the offseason they'll address the center need. I just, if it were me, I, I'd like to see more guys right now. It seems like we're just kind of trying one guy at a time, one guy at night. And I, <laughs> I think his, I think they need more than one spotted center. So maybe that's why I feel that way. But ultimately, good good move. Um, I think a needed move. Nothing exciting. Uh, I still come away kind of like man because to me it is. I think it's incomplete. I think you won't really know how to evaluate that move until you find out what they do with that roster spot and how they feel it, who they get. And so, as 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 though I feel good about it, I do think it's a little bit of incompletion element to it as well. Yeah, yeah, there, there's definitely that. I think just the the flexibility that you gain in your like going into the offseason, like Isaac said, getting that twelve million off the books that was guaranteed to Stephen Adams, mm -hmm. that's not there. And so, you know, if there is a trade that you want to make, or if there's a player that you want to sign, and that's what's, you know, I, Isaac kind of hinted at. It. I told him I, you know, I didn't want him to go too far into it, but. You know, climbing, that's one thing he didn't – he didn't mention free agency. He talked about draft and or trade, and that may just be something that he realizes, okay, we're a small market team. Yeah. Attracting a free agent's going to be tough, even though we're a good team, because mm -hmm. it is a small market. Um, well, you know, that, that there were a lot of things that kind of fell into place after this trade. The, the three picks that they got, they got a, the a 24 second from OKC – and then a second 24-second uh, rounder, and it's most favorable between Brooklyn and Golden State, and then um, basically like a 25-pick swap in the second round. So, you know, as far as did you get a player that is going to be the same value that Steven Adams brought to this team, it's clearly a no, but that's not really like when you're grading this trade – I don't think you're looking at this trade to grade it based off of what they get in return, or at least I'm not. I like the flexibility, flexibility. and whoever they find to plug in, I think is going to – you go out, you get the assets, and then what you do with the flexibility and the assets from there really are – that that's going to determine where you're at with this. Yeah, for, I was going to say the casual fan probably doesn't understand this at all. They just see – Stephen Adams going out, a, a guy that they really love, is productive, meant a lot for this team, and they're like, we're getting second-round picks and a guy that we waive. Like, they don't understand that. And the thing about it, there's a business side to this league. I mean, that's what it is, and, and a lot of times these tough decisions have to be made. And honestly, like with this one, I don't even think it's a tough decision because I, I just don't think you could, could rely on him going forward and – if you were going to bring him back, he only had one year next year left on that deal. You really, it really doesn't make any sense to bring him back next year with this team thinking that when they're healthy, they can make a run at the championship. If you don't know if you can depend on him because you would be wasting another year. Cause say you bring him back next year and then 10 games into the season, he's out again. And he has a knee problem and he's out again. And now, now you're screwed. So you need to rectify. They need to rectify this before next season starts so to speak. That's where they need to be. And that's why this made a lot of sense because it just, you couldn't, couldn't risk it. You could, because keeping him 
it was going to put you in a financial bond anyway. And then just laid out what I just laid out. It really didn't make any sense to go into the season next year with him, unless you were pretty confident that he was going to be all right. And I don't think they, I don't think they were there. And it really comes down to, you, you need roster spots. You have to have, you, you look at what Vince Williams is doing, what Gigi Jackson is doing. There's no way, like, Gigi Jackson, if they didn't address his contract during the season, he's heading into free agency. It's restricted free agency. But you could go from the deal that they got him on, which was a steal, and I don't have – I don't know if we got the full details of that deal. If that's been released, maybe one of you guys have it. But yeah, I think it, it was four four years, 8.5. Yeah. I want to say on top of my head, I'm not looking at it. I think yeah. that's what it was. And so you were not necessarily at risk of Gigi walking away, but other people see what he's doing and they see the talent. And so if you let him get into restricted free agency and another team offers him a, uh, a deal that's way higher than that, then the Grizzlies would have been in a place either they would have had to match it or let him walk. <laughs> And so it's I think like, they would have had to match it. I, I think whatever it was, they would have been in a position where they, yeah. they couldn't oh. let him walk. Yeah, so, no, no, no doubt. Like with what he's doing, yeah. you wouldn't think that letting him walk was an option. But making this move is really what kind of our, I guess, this combination of moves, that's what opened the door Definitely. for Gigi to get uh, hit, you know, for basically the promotion from the two way contract to now he's on a standard contract. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the second move in the trade deadline, Xavier Tillman gets moved to Boston and uh, the, the Grizzlies get in return Lamar Stevens. And I had the picks down here. I know it's two second round picks, but I don't have the years. Yeah, they're, they're way out like a 27 and a 29, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew that they were not close. But this this was a move for me that – they had no intention of re-signing re X. He's been great when it like the they drafted him. Uh, where was X? He was early second round, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, for whatever reason, I was confusing him and Aldama there for a minute. I'm like, did they get X at thirty? But no, he was second round. You know, they drafted him in the second round. He comes up every time his number was called. He was productive, and this is. You, you go back and you look at the stuff that Kleiman has fumbled, the Kyle Anderson walking for free, the move with DeAnthony Melton and, and all, like that there have been a couple guys that have left this franchise that if you knew you were not going to resign them, you could have got something in return for them. So I'm glad that he took the opportunity to do that with Xavier Tillman. Again, this is, you know, Isaac – called it gold earlier he's stacking more gold you go in now you have five additional second round picks that you can use to either you know move up if you if you're eyeing a certain guy and you want to go and get him or use it to bring in a different player or whatever you're obviously going to miss x and what he brought to this team but happy for him going into a good situation over there a chance to win the title and happy for the grizzlies to have the assets moving forward yeah. Yeah. You go ahead, Candace. Well, I'm just gonna say definitely this is something that I advocated for personally. You know, we, we talked about this before, you know, what would we do with Xavier Tillman? And I was just simply put, I I would trade him. Um, get what you can get for him. You know, I don't think there are some questions about his health as well. And I think that gets 
underrated. He's had so many knee issues. And I was gonna say is, real quick, it's even they've come out and he's he's out indefinitely now with Boston. So right, exactly, exactly. And 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 it's not his first year having knee issues. He had knee issues last year, just not to the same extent. And he could play longer periods of time. But you you have seen this get worse and with his tenure here, um, without with that knee issue and. I, I, I get the sense it's chronic, but, but but even aside from that, even aside from the health, I really think they need to get bigger on that front court. Really do. They need, they need more size. And so because of that, I, I think that it would have been to their to their advantage to go ahead and move on from Tillman because you're already going to have Brandon Clark, who is going to be a question mark himself and who also is undersized. You just can't have a ton of those dudes on your roster when you're trying to when you're trying to go, you know, win now at this point. So very much yeah. I'm a big fan of X. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Thought you were done. <laughs> a big fan of X, uh, what he brought to the team. Definitely respect the, the heck out of the man. Went to the G went to the summer league when he didn't have to, worked hard, kept his game up, kept his kept himself sharp so he could be able to come in and and he had impact games for sure where he made a difference. So it's not necessarily a knock on him as a player. Uh definitely appreciate what he brought, but it didn't make sense for them to continue. With him, I think so. Getting any value that you can get from him or for him was was a win in my book. Yeah, first first off, just shout out to X uh, to reiterate what Candace was saying. And played in the, in the summer league two years into his career, which you hardly ever see guys do that. Um, especially guys that have actually played. I mean, he had played in big time in playoff games at that point, mm -hmm. and still came out and and played in summer league and. Beginning of last year, they kind of told him at that point he wasn't going to be part of the rotation. So he was like, "Man, I'm not going to just sitting on the bench. I have, if I'm not going to be playing, man, I can go down to South Haven and get some run in down there. Volunteered to go down to the G League, which a lot of guys in his position wouldn't have done. Um, there have been times where, like I said, he's in the playoff rotation, and there are times in a regular, even in a regular season, where he wasn't in the rotation at all and never complained. Um, consummate professional was always ready anytime his number were called, and there were times where he was big for this team. I mean, we saw some games uh, last year. He was going up against Jokic in Denver, had really good games, going up against some of the biggest center, bigger centers in Bede, and, and had really good games against those guys. So I'm guarding LeBron in the playoffs, doing a decent job there. Uh, so so shout out to X, man. There's nothing that he did personally, I, I think, for where they got him in the draft and kind of the expectations from him. I think he exceeded all of those. Uh, but it goes to the injury stuff. I, I, I personally think it's Chronic as well. I mean, there were times out there you could tell this year where he was really laboring, just didn't have the same lift and burst uh, that that he used to have. It was very clear to see, and the report came out that he's out indefinitely now with the knee. I, I think that's something that probably made it a little bit easier for the Grizzlies to move on from him. And I don't think because of that and because of and Candace kind of touched on it, I think they just were going to go in a different direction anyway. I don't think there is really much chance they were going to re-sign him this offseason, and especially with the season going the way it's going now, there was no reason not to move him. Um, and again, it's what I mentioned earlier. I know some casual fans probably don't get it. You're like, you're moving to Xavier Tillman. He was in a rotation for second-round picks in 2027 and 2029, but they weren't going to re-sign him anyway. So if you're not going to re-sign a guy anyway, this team is not in contention for anything right now this season. It didn't make any sense to hold on to him. And, and I kind of tweeted about this you kind of look at the situation. We're going to talk about David Roddy in a minute. Um, 
they were both sent to situations to where they have an opportunity to win. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that they wouldn't have traded them to, to other teams, but I, I feel like, and we've seen this in the past, go all the way going back to, to Marcus all and Mike Conley, this front office has seemed to do right by guys. Uh, they sent them to places where they have, seem to have an opportunity to win. And I think they did that with both of those guys because Tim could end up getting a ring this year uh, with Boston. So so shout out to him. But for the Grizzlies, it, the move made all the sense in the world, um, especially looking forward. There was just no reason to, to hang on to him if you weren't going to sign him at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So let, let's dive into that, uh, the David Roddy trade. David Roddy goes to the Suns. The Grizzlies get in return. Uh, Yuta returns home. Yuta Watanabe and uh, Chemezi Metu was one of the other guys in that trade. He he was waived. He never came to Memphis. But I think the the sneaky thing, and this is something that that I didn't see when this was initially announced, and and I was sick on trade deadline day, like passing out, like waking up. I think I slept like fifteen or sixteen hours that day trying to get over this flu. With that that pick swap, and I think for me, I'm again going back to the beginning of the show. I said I was shocked that that Roddy was the wing that got moved in the first place, but I, I think that this is on, on that draft night. Isaac and I were, were both kind of I don't know, upset, mad, what how whatever word you want to use to describe it, at the way that the assets were handled. The, the Grizzlies traded up to get two guys that were widely considered to, to be available, that, that those guys were going to be available with the picks that they had. Yeah. And the Grizzlies used assets to move up to get these guys. So you admit a wrong here and kind of recoup some of those assets. I, I was pretty happy with the return. Um, I, I'm Candace. So they had two options here, right? You know, they get Lamar Stevens from the Celtics, and then you get Yuta and Chemezi Metu from the Suns. They could have cut either Metu or Stevens. They chose to keep Stevens. Stevens. Metu's a guy that had a little more size, and we were talking about that being a need for the Grizzlies. Well, what are your thoughts on on that and – do you know? Did Kleiman talk about that about Metu at all? Like the the thought process on why he chose Stevens over Metu, or somebody probably didn't even ask that question. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, didn't hear, I, don't, I don't think he mentioned it at all. I didn't hear him talk about that at all. I, I don't think that you would have gotten an answer that really held any weight anyway. But I, I don't know. I kind of wish that they would have went the other direction there. Candace, what about you? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I'm pretty much all fronts. I, I, I was surprised that they moved Roddy, but more pleasantly surprised. I just didn't think, you know, I was really starting to feel like this team wouldn't admit their wrongs more than anything else. I didn't, I didn't feel like they were willing to move on from somebody, especially who gave him production. If you look at Roddy's numbers, he seems like a productive player, and he seems like the most productive player out of all the wings on paper. I think that there's a lot of flaws to that and all in all you know I, I've said before sometimes I feel like he's the worst of the three at times um especially because of, you know offensive he can sometimes be a black hole he's in like his pressing quite a bit um and 
So I thought that I think it's that's what it comes down to. People wonder why they didn't trade Zaire, why they didn't trade Laravia. Man, nobody wanted those guys, man. We, like I said, Roddy is on paper productive, right? So I think some team can see that and they can see some redemptive qualities and want to take a chance on that. I think you were better off with uh with that situation. You know, taking whoever they could get, whatever you can get for any of those wings, man, that's what you have to try to do. And that's so that's what they did. So I'm definitely I was excited about the move because more than more than the move itself and more than what they got, I personally didn't even care if they got a body back. As as low as 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 low as this roster county is, man, I was just happy they made the move because it speaks to, you know, I'm always looking at the mindset behind the moves, really more than the moves themselves. And the mindset behind the move showed a willingness to admit a mistake. And, you know, that's what I was starting to get worried about. Will this team be super egotistical and prideful? You know, there's already, already a lot of politics going on. They play David Roddy a lot. <laughs> I think he got a ton of minutes, way more minutes than he needed to. And I just didn't think that they would be willing, you know, maybe they would see that as his guy could turn it around and, uh, also shows me that they see what we see too. <laughs> it was another encouraging thing about this trade. But I will say, you know, to, to your point, David, about who they chose to keep, Stevens over uh Metu. I I find that a little head scratching again. I, I sort of it's sort of what I was implying when I mentioned earlier, like I really thought they could try different bodies, not just the 10-day contracts, like with one guy at a time, Metu to try to find the center. Uh really concerns me a little bit in terms of are they leaning too much into Jaren at five? I don't know. Uh, maybe reading too much into that. I hope I am reading too much into that. But that is a little bit of head scratching move. Not saying I'm high on mental or anything, but just you know, as much as they need size at this point, and they don't. I mean, they, they have signed trade. I'm sure we'll talk about this, but he's now on a on a uh, two way, so they have a little bit more temporary relief at the time. Maybe that's why they didn't feel the need to keep Metu. But again, I just. I feel like you should just try to see as many different guys as you can at that spot and see, you know, if anything can spark. Uh, I don't know why they're so picky almost about, about what guys they want to try at that spot. They're saying so willing to try out these different guards and wings and not as willing to try out the different centers. It's weird, man. But but anyway, all in all, a good move on them. Uh, probably the move I was most excited about not just because I hated David Roddy as a person or anything. I just, it tells me a lot about the mindset and I needed that encouragement. Yeah, man, I I think this was a fantastic trade uh, with, with the return that they got in this deal. And if I'm not mistaken, I thought it was a first round pick swap. Uh, that's what I saw. Not a second round pick swap. I saw it was a first round pick swap. It is a first round yeah, pick swap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard it explained that. Yeah. I, I think it's more likely than not that they don't really see that one. So, yeah, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really looked into it, but they have a, they have another pick swap with Phoenix too. Um, later on in that, maybe twenty six or twenty seven, I think as well, uh, from another deal that they made last year, I want to say. Uh, but yeah, man, I I think a lot of people are like, well, well, why did they move Roddy? Roddy is the best of those those three wings, and that's not a ringing endorsement to say Roddy is better than Zaire and Jake Laravia. I don't think that's saying a lot. But I think when you say that, you're answering your own question. The reason why they moved Roddy is because Roddy was the only one they could move. Uh, nobody probably had any interest in Sire Williams and Arabia 
is bad and he hadn't even played and he's bad. So he probably has negative value um, at this point. And you probably would have had to attach a first to get rid of Jake Arabia. And of course, they're not doing that. So I, I think to get uh, Uta Watanabe, which is is really exciting to me, man, it, it's, it's kind of weird because ever, ever since he left here, every time I watched him play, I was like, man, feel like they gave up on him too quick. I'd love for him to still be here. So to get him back, man, that's kind of, kind of fun for me, man, because that's something that I've kind of kind of wanted for a while. So it's kind of funny to see him see him back here. But one thing that Yuta Watanabe does really well is knock down at corner three. And that's something that is big within his offense. I mean, you could have him on the floor with Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard in a small ball lineup, and you got guys that can really spread the floor. So I think Yuta has some potential, man, and at that size to be able to shoot the basketball. So I'm just glad that he's back, and I'm glad – that he's going to be able to get some playing time with kind of the, the situation that they're in right now. But as far as them making these moves, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, man, Candace kind of talked about this before. She was kind of skeptical that they would do anything. I always felt like they would because they, I, I, I felt like that they wanted to put Gigi on a regular contract because of that restricted free agent thing. And they were going to have to open up roster spots. They had Jimison here. They were going to need a roster spot for him. And I knew they were going to have to move some of these guys out to kind of open up some of these spots. So it doesn't really surprise me that they made these moves. Um, I think at this point, it, they, it, it went beyond of proving that they they were right or wrong or whatever. They were kind of forced to to get rid of at least one of these guys at this point just to open up some roster spots. And the thing with Roddy, Roddy still has a lot of defenders um, within his fan base. And Cannon's kind of touched on it. I, at times, it kind of feels like he is worse than Zaire Williams. And people, the only thing people see is sometimes he scores. And that's what they look at, but they, they don't look at the other side of everything that he does positive. He does two or three things negative to negate that. Like he'll have 18 points, but you'll look on there and he'll be minus 30. And the next guy on the team, next uh, worst on the team, be nine, minus nine or something. Like he, when he's a negative player uh, because he's a black hole, he dribbles too much, man. He, he holds the basketball for 20 seconds then throw up some hook shot, want to go try to go one-on-three. But guys, I mean, some, some for some reason, he thinks he's an ISO score. I don't know who told him he was, but that's not what he is. But it, it, it was tough to watch at times. So I, I'm not upset with the move, and I'm not wishing any ill will, man. Hopefully he does well in Phoenix. But I think for what they got back for him, for him I, I think just even if you were talking about Utah for riding straight up, I would have had any issue with that. Uh, yeah. But – but to touch on the, the 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 other question that we had, man, I don't. I'm still scratching my head on why you would keep Stevens and, and get rid of Matu, um, especially when you got Utah, so you you get another wing already. Then you talk about another small forward, power forward, in Stevens, and you have Gigi already on the roster. You have Vince Williams Jr. already on the roster. You got Conchar. They're still saying that they're gonna bring Bain and Smart back. Like I mean, you're gonna have you have a hundred wings on the roster. And your biggest hole is at center. And the thing about Metu, Metu has actually been productive. He had a season in Sacramento a couple of years ago where he averaged nine and six. Um, so he's he's actually, when given a opportunity, done some decent things. He had some big games against the Grizzlies. He had that game where he was going off, and JV kind of pushed him on that dunk and fell and broke his wrist. Uh, I don't know if a lot of Grizz fans remember that, but that was Chimizi Metu uh, that that play where where they, they kind of got into it there, and he kind of fell and and cracked it his wrist on that play. 
Go ahead. It wasn't, a put, wasn't that the one where like he he was on JV's shoulders and JV like uh power yeah, well, he didn't push him, yeah, he just kind of slung him down, yeah. yeah. Slung him yeah. off of him. He dunked on him or something, and then he was had his legs wrapped around his shoulder, and JV kind of slung him and he fell and, and broke his wrist. But yeah, that's he, he's an undersized big, but to me, man, like I said, you have all these wings on this roster and you need a center. And I'm not saying that Metu would have been a long-term piece or an answer for this team, but in the in the position they're in. You need to be getting, as Candace said, you need to be getting a look at as many guys as possible. And I'm saying Metu, he's done more in the league than Stevens, and he fits a position of need for you. So I, I don't I don't know if there was something else going on there other than just pure basketball reasons. I don't know what it was, but that that was extremely weird to me because I was excited when I found out they were getting Metu because initially they were just saying Watanabe, and they kind of added that later on. And I was excited about it. I was like, oh, man, we got another body in here, power forward and center, man, that they could get a look at. And uh, But they end up waiving him uh, to kind of put Gigi on put Gigi on that regular contract and uh, trade Jamerson to the two-way. So that's the decision they decided to make. Um, Zach Kleiman said yesterday that we will see Watanabe and Larry Stevens, uh, Stevens get playing time uh, for, for the rest of this year. So – I don't know. That 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 was kind of weird to me, man, because I think I definitely would have went met to unless there's something else going on there that we don't know about. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why they don't seem to like big bodies, man. It seemed like they just alerted to trying to seem like they just alerted to trying to collect a a, a depth. I, I I guess they don't see the I guess it's not an understanding of depth. It, it just seems like they even even going into the last offseason, I know we've had the two question marks, you know, with with, with Brandon and and Steven Adams, it was head scratching that they didn't do anything about that situation. You know, I don't know what it is. It's almost like a blind spot when it comes to depth with big men. And they're not wanting to do that for whatever reason. They seem like they don't, they just want the minimum amount of guys. I don't really, I don't get it, but it seems like a trend. I was going to say, I wish they'd take the Dallas approach, man. If anybody watched that game tonight, man, PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford look. Really good man out there playing with with you uh, with uh, Luca. Um, I think they're going to be a a problem um, in in the playoffs. That is a live threat, man. They they look fantastic, so they're, they're coming. I um, mean, I think those were two two big pickups for Dallas. Yeah, best game of the year from Gafford. You know, first game in the, with Luca. So yeah, and I used to playing with good point guards. So <laughs> well, at least they had Lamelo. But I, hey. I mean, I. I I've heard, da I've heard Daniel Gafford about. played with Tyus Jones. You better watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, uh, not implying that Tyus is on the level of, uh, of Luca, but uh, <laughs> got to show my guy some respect at least. Yeah, shout, out, shout out to Stone, man. Shout out to Stone. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit more. I, I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to have to to mute. I'm about to cough my head up, but. Go into the the presser and kind of what Kleiman was talking about with the financial side of it. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he was he was basically talking saying that they they're not going to be any restrictions as far as putting pieces around as far as, as far as money is concerned about putting pieces around his core. But he did say because the the new rules with the apron, you you can go over it for two years, but you can. If you get back from under it after that second year, you don't have to pay the penalties. And he did kind of mention that, that they have to make a decision on was it viable to, to stay over that apron if if they, if they can put them in a position to win a championship, that they're willing to do that. But if they have to make a decision on if it doesn't look like that's the case, should they pull back 
He said that he was just kind of talking about that balance. Uh, but he did say that they're going to be willing to spend without restriction, I, I guess, up in, at least up until two years out. So that's going to be interesting this summer, man, because they got some holes to fill. Um, but he he went out on a limb, man. He said the championship window is open. Um, I mean, he didn't hold back at all. Like He pretty much said that they're going for it uh, this offseason. He said that they're collecting assets for this offseason. He, he hinted that this offseason they're going to be extremely busy in, in, in making moves and doing stuff to, to, to improve this team. So I love to talk, but – they got to bag it up. I mean, we he's hinted at this type of stuff before, and it didn't quite come to fruition. He kind of said this a little bit. He didn't go nowhere as near as far as he went yesterday, but he kind of hinted that was the case, and then they went and got younger when at that time. So hopefully this time that he means it. I, I think there there's more pressure at this point. Um, I, I think you, you've you gone out and just kind of gotten rid of your front court um, outside of Jared, so you have to go out and do something to fix that because this – it's an arms race in the West, and if you don't have records with big man, you're not not going to be contending um, um, in, in this Western Conference or for NBA championships. So that's they're in a position right now where they have to do something about that. Uh, and I mean, these guys have been here for for several years now. I Man, I think his playtime is playtime is over. Uh, I mean, he's again saying all the right things, and he seems to understand that. So I'm going to take it up, up for his word. I think I think they are going to be aggressive this offseason because I think they're pretty much at a point where they have to. I don't think there's any choice because anything less and it's going to become a problem. Like, like this slow walking, we're developing guys, man, that that's over with. I mean, you, you, I think you've gotten with the injuries and stuff that they have. I, I think you've gotten, got into a great position with finding out Vince Williams Jr. was a player for you and finding out Gigi was a player for you and locking them up on these still of a deals while those guys are on those deals, it's going to be important that that's those are two things that keep your window open. Having those two guys locked up on lower contracts, that makes it easier for you to go out and do other stuff. So that that makes it even more urgent that you go out and make these moves to try to make this a complete product and put your team on the floor that you, you're going to say, OK, this is the team. We're all in this year. We, we're going to try to win a championship this year. And I, I think this summer, I think this is it. I think you got to go out and make those moves and. He basically hinted that that's what they're going to do. So right now, man, I'm going to take him at face value. Yeah, I uh, agree with everything that you said. And it really stinks, man, at the timing of the CBA and these new rules. And, you know, for years, I think this would have been more helpful <laughs> when we were a smaller team. And it's saying, like, this, just as soon as we get in a position where we finally, you know, have an owner that's willing to spend and maybe we, we would have – it doesn't sound – I mean, I agree with Isaac. It doesn't sound like – Money is the problem. It's the it's the restrictions and the and the penalties on spending the money that I think they're they're more concerned about than the money itself, man. It's really unfortunate because you know they this is the team that's built it the right way, in my opinion, and drafted a lot of their talent and a lot of their core is guys. It's in the guy, it's in a team who tried to spend, you know, make a super team per se. And I know the CBA is meant to the new CBA is meant to prevent the super teams. And I a hundred percent respect that, but I do wish there were more nuance for the teams that did build right, build within the draft and those type of things. And, and there may be, I've, I've heard people like Bobby Marks imply that there are loopholes and things to get away from some of that, but I don't, I don't know the exact specifics of that. And, the closer we get to it, the more less people the, the less people talk about it. So I don't know how real 
those loopholes or nuances exist for teams who really did build their uh, players by drafting the right way, man. But well, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. A, a lot of that uh, comes with like the, the bird rights, and you know, like you, if if you draft a player and they stay on your team, you know, you can you can give them more money than any other team, and you know, like that. There's there's stuff in the trades where if they trade a player, they can still retain bird rights. Like they're they're. It's a lot. Like I, I got into a, a conversation with uh, with Stephen the other day about it because that's just one avenue that I've not really dug into. But when when we were talking, he explained a lot of it to me, and it, it was. I think that if you're a, if you're a small market team, if you're trying, if you're OKC, you're Memphis, you're you're New Orleans, and you're trying to build through the draft being able to offer that money to those guys and say, okay, I can give you this. And if you leave, you're still going to get a lot of money, but you're going to leave basically 70 to a hundred million dollars on the table. If you go somewhere else and maybe that's enough of an incentive to keep some of these guys in a smaller market, because, you know, everybody, anytime that you hear free agent, it's oh New York, L.A., you know, like Chicago, Miami. These teams are always in the running because they're in those larger markets. And, and I think that, you know, when you're talking not just a few million dollars, when you're talking 70 to 100 million dollars, that might be enough to give these smaller market teams to let them keep their stars. Especially if they're winning. Um, I think that – helps even more. Um, if you're a team like the Grizzlies who expect to be in a position to where they're winning, I think being in a small market and winning is a lot better than being in a small market and losing. It's like you, you're you in Memphis and you're losing a lot and L.A. comes calling, that probably looks a lot more attractive to you if, if the team is not winning. So, But th but that's definitely why they put those things in place to kind of try to balance the, the pecking order out, so to speak, because if you don't, but as David said, those markets you name, L.A., uh, New York, Miami, uh, those those markets are always going to win out against small market teams. The guys are not going to going to want to stay in those positions. Uh, so that's kind of why they put a lot of that stuff in place. Yeah, I will say this, though, the, the bird right thing, the ability to sign players, you know, to keep them and, and, and be able to offer them more money to stay. That's been in place before this new CBA. So that, that's, yeah. that's not new. Yeah. Um, but the things I'm referring to in terms of the the uh the the how they're punishing teams who like LA the Warriors who just throw money yeah that's the, that was the, the apron stuff that they yeah the apron they, stuff they, like they, that yeah. Bobby Marks implied that they if you if you draft a player there's some restrictions that you don't have to necessarily face I don't know to what extent that's true he didn't really elaborate on those type of things so I really mean more of that more so than than, than the ability to keep players. It's less about retaining players and more about roster construction as a whole, I think, um, with this new CBA. And we'll see. Um, but I will just say, right now, it looks like it's stuck in for the Grizzlies because <laughs> the timing couldn't be worse because uh, it looks – I mean, that climate was clear, man. He, they, It's not a question of money. It's really not a uh, – Robert Paris seems willing to spend to keep a championship team together and – uh, we'll get we'll we'll see how it goes, but it does put some urgency on this window. They seem like they 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 talk like 
Like I said, they talk like they sense the urgency. And I think that's the best case scenario. Because you don't want a team to just say, oh, they're young, they're young, they're young. And then, you know, look, look what happened. Like we, it's been a terrible year. You never know what's going to happen, man. So I think they, they've learned some lessons themselves. I think that they'll be, they'll be diligent. I think they will. I think they'll be diligent. I think they'll be aggressive. They were aggressive last offseason, to be honest. They just couldn't pull off, you know, they offered four first rounders from Mikael Bridges. You know, they they put things out there. They just did, didn't get to see the results, man. But like Isaac said, they, they're in a position where they have to um, make a move. And, you know, I hope that doesn't mean overpaying. But you might see that. You might see that this offseason, them having to overpay for a guy if they feel like they need it, because they because they're in a position where they can, they got to close the deal, they can't just put a bunch of fillers out there, make some aggressive offers, see where the chips fall, and then oh well if it didn't go well, you know what I mean? Like they got to put up or shut up at this point, and they seem to understand that. That's all you can ask at this point. I think they made the right moves, like we talked about earlier, to set themselves up to have the assets, the flexibility in the off season. And uh, it, it'll be exciting for that reason. Um, tough. Watch some of these games right now. But I think that once they have a better sense of the pick, I think that, that's really what I think is their biggest holdup. They have no idea. You don't want to make offers and trades without understanding what you have. And so, you know, for those who are upset that they didn't get a center right now, they don't really need that. They need to know. They need to know what they have before they can negotiate, really. And I think that's smart. I think that's the right strategy to do. It's what I would do. I'm not just going to throw away a trade or pick, man. That's a question mark. I mean, that could be that could be the number one pick, and it changes dramatically how you what, – what, what offers you do and don't accept or what proposals you do and don't make. So, anywho, uh, overall, for right now, I give them a B, B- minus on the um, – Deadline stuff, understanding that it's connected to the offseason. Yeah, I was going to say real quick that to Candace's point, I'm pretty well versed in the older stuff, but the new stuff, I know a little bit about it, but it's extremely complicated. But yeah. there has been, I've heard it talked about that with the new apron and kind of some of the stuff, the way that works out, that it's going to make it extremely hard to, to re-sign Jared. Uh, yeah. when the time comes that right. that it's going to be hard for them to have job Bain and him on a contract that they would probably have to have to keep him. Um, so that I have heard about that. Um, and that's a couple years down the line, but that's something that I have heard discussed that it's going to be pretty hard for them to be able to do that and fill a roster and fill the roster around them and, and be able to make that work under whatever those new parameters are. So yeah, that's that, that definitely makes it urgent that you you try to get this done like they need to try to win a championship over the next couple of years and like i said it's hard to win a championship and so it's not any guarantee that you're ever going to win a championship but you need to be pushing as hard as you can to make that happen uh so that i feel like now this offseason i think that's when that starts i think you you can't lay back none of this oh we're just gonna just kind of sit back and see. We're going to evaluate some things, then make some decisions. Uh, you at this point, you're there. You need to push as hard as you can to to make this roster as, as as good as you can under the parameters you have to work with. And if you still don't win a championship, then I mean, it just is what it is. But 
you got to put your best foot forward this summer, I think. Yeah, you know, you, you never know what is going to happen, and you know, anything can happen. Going back to, uh, I think that we, we've discussed it on here, going back to that Lakers pick, you know, at that – if the Lakers you know, face all the injuries and, and, you know, ends up that pick conveys instead of going the way that it did, Probably got how Jordan much, Jordan. yeah, like how much different does this roster look like? If I don't know that they end up getting Duran, but if they did, what kind of conversation are we having right now? You know, like he, he's been a monster. Like he Man, had like 18 boards with that last night. Yeah, like I think he had like a twenty-five board game, or maybe it was twenty-five and twenty-one. He had like a twenty-twenty yeah. 20 game the other day. I don't think so. I, Adams, Adams didn't get an extension. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, no, like the, the, not. there's a lot of things, and you know the the injuries this year. You know, we had the suspension for Ja, but who knew that he was going to dislocate that shoulder and be out the remainder of the year? And that there's way too many things that can happen to be like, oh, I've got these players and they're young, and I've got plenty of time. Well, you've got a little bit of time, but with that's the way the CBA works. And the one thing, like they, they change some of the pay structure and like the amount that dudes can get increased and all of that. So th- there's definitely some things there the Grizzlies are going to have to battle with. And I didn't do a great job of, of articulating exactly what I was trying to earlier, but it's like – for a max deal, if a guy was making $12 million before and you sign him to a max deal and he goes from $12 million to $40 million, uh, dang, you know, like that's a massive hit. But that first jump is something that has changed in this new CBA. And so that's going to allow teams a little more flexibility when they're building a roster. But the what, what Isaac was alluding to is – you're already going to have guys that are making big money. And now Jaron, he's on his second contract, so he's making big money. So that jump for him, if he's going to be a max player, be huge. it's going to be a big jump. It's not going to be a uh, a twelve and a half million million up to uh up to 17 million max. It's going to be from 25 million. Well, now he can go up from there, and now you're looking at him making 35, 40 million a year. And that's going to get you up into that apron very, very quickly. Yep. So yeah, I mean that's definitely something that they have to have to consider. I mean, the urgency should be there, and it to me it sounded like he understood the magnitude of the situation. So again, man, I can't do anything but take him take him at face value. I feel like he's hinted at these things in the past, and and, and as, as you said, they kind of went for it last year. Like they tried to get Mikael Bridges. Uh, to trade four first round picks. I still think the Nets were crazy for not taking those offers. I mean, we kind of saw this. This they turned down two first supposedly for Dorian Finney Smith, which is insanity to me. I don't yeah. know what's going on with their front office, but they're gonna be stuck in mediocrity because they they've had opportunities to make big moves and seems like they had the value that they needed and they didn't didn't make those moves. But they tried. They went out and tried to get OG and Anobi, even though I wasn't a big fan of that. But they they went for it. Apparently, they offered three a four first for him as well. And Toronto turned that down. So they, they tried and they ended up with, with Marcus smart. Um, that was probably they got kind of a fallback thing, but they were going for it last year. And that's why I believe that they will be aggressive this offseason because I feel like before all this stuff went down, 
with, with Steven Adams and, and Ja going down. And I feel like com- coming into this season, they felt like this could be a year where they could really push. So I don't think they're going to – because a lot of people are worried, like I said, about the center thing. I'm not worried because I feel like they under- they feel like they're in this championship window. Like Clement said yesterday, they're not going to just do something that's – some lower-tier move and go into the season and say, oh, we're all right. They're, unless they just can't get anything done. Like, I think they're going to do everything they can to get it done. Now, if you get in a position where you just can't get it done, maybe then we're talking something different. But I feel like they're going to put their best foot forward to put this team in best position to win because they, I think they felt like they're coming in this year just ended up not working out. And you, you just never know who's going to be available going into people, the offseason. Yeah, people like, always ask that question. I hate when people – Say that like, well, who they're gonna trade for, or who they're gonna sign? Like, how many trades that happened did you really think? Oh, yeah, that I, I came up. I, I mentioned that yesterday. Like, that hardly ever happens. Most trades that happen come out of nowhere. Like you, like I had no idea this guy was available. And it just pops up. Like the JV Stephen Adams thing. Who had that on their radar? Like nobody had predicted that that was gonna happen at that point. So you just never know what what can materialize. Yeah, you know what the need is for this roster, you, you know, like based and not off of this season, but because of what we're seeing from the guys that are playing right now, you feel a lot better about the wing and you want to have that true size. Our, for, for us looking at it, that's really what it feels like the, the need is. You have – you have Ja, you got the guard, you got the shooting guard in Bain, you got Jaron as a defensive anchor. You know, Jaron and BC play well off of each other. Is that lineup of Ja, Bain, Smart, BC, and Jaron going to be enough to carry this team to a title? I, I don't know. But you can go out and get somebody, get a, a physical big if that's what you feel like you need. Or, you know, like, I don't think that – I like that they signed Trey Jemison. I, like, I don't want to downplay that. I'm glad that they signed him because he is a seven-footer and he is the, the type of guy that they're looking for. I don't think he's the guy that they're looking for. But that guy is out there on a roster somewhere or he's in the draft. And they're going to be in a good position to go out and get whoever they feel that it is moving into next season with a lot more flexibility than trying to do it at the trade deadline. Yeah, man. Ever since they announced that Adams was going to be out for the season, man, I've been been eyeing Andre Drummond. I think he's a guy that when you kind of look out on the market, I don't think he's going to break the bank. And I think Memphis is not, like you said, not a free agent magnet or anything, but I think that type of guy, I think when you look at it mid-level, I think they can get a guy like Andre Drummond in here um, in free agency. And I think you sign him and I think you draft anybody that follows me or listens to me knows I'm a big fan of Kyle Filipowski out of Duke. I think you bring in a guy like Andre Drummond and you draft a young guy. Andre Drummond is like 30, will be like 31. So he's, you look at it probably like a two-year window of him. Uh, so you draft another guy to kind of groom behind him and that to fit in with your big rotation and you have your bigs there with Jaron, Andre Drummond, or another guy like that with BC and whoever the young center is you draft. And I think that's, I think you can contend with that lineup if the rest of this, this team is healthy. Um, and the reason why I like Drummond is because, I mean, he's one of the best rebounders in history. 
um, in, in the league, and, and we know how important rebounding is to this team, and he's a screen setter. He takes up space. I honestly think that he might be a better fit next to Jared, even than Steven Adams. I think he might make Jared better than Steven Adams because Jared's going to be able to roam and do whatever he, he wants to do with, with a big body down there like Andre Drummond. It just makes a lot of sense to me, and I think it's realistic. Like a lot of people are, are talking about Claxton and Brooklyn has pretty much said that they they they're that's priority for them. Like they're bringing him back. I, I just don't see it happen. Uh, shout out to my guy Ed Memphis. Um, he's been on this call Anthony Towns thing all year. Like they're not they're not bringing in that type of salary. Like and I and I don't even think know if he's banking on Minnesota losing earlier in the playoffs and they decide they need to go on another level. That might not even there's a direction that might not even happen. Like there's no guarantee the cats going to be available and even if he is I just don't see them bringing in that type of money on the books when they're already you see them already here trying to cut salaries so I think you have to be realistic and, and a guy like Drummond and then drafting a guy bringing in two guys I think is more re realistic than going out and getting a guy like Claxton that's going to be 20 plus million at least and and, and, and you're talking about Cat making 40 plus million I, I just don't think those those type of options are real realistic even though they're pushing it they have to be smart with it as well yeah yeah and like if you go out and you make a move and you go after a guy like carl anthony towns number one they don't have the salary yeah it's just, like if you're going money, out man. if you're getting him you're giving up one of the core players to get him and i'll tell you right there's not a single core player that I would give up to get Carl Anthony Towns. And, and I think that the Grizzlies feel the same way about it. Um, it, it. There, there are plenty of teams. Like if you look, just look across the league, it, you know, Cleveland's in second place right now. If they get bounced in the first round, are they going to keep that team together? Are they going to start breaking it down and rebuilding? Jared Allen. You know, yeah. Like um, New York, you know, Mitch Rama has an injury. Isaiah Hartenstein has been playing well. Do they feel like Isaiah Hartenstein is the answer moving forward and now they're going to move off of Mitch Rob? Or maybe it's not. Maybe they want to keep Mitch Rob and they want to move off of Isaiah Hartenstein. There's so many guys out there. Uh, Chicago is in a kind of a weird spot. There are guys in Chicago that would feel the need. Where You were talking about drumming Atlanta. They're, I don't know what they're doing. I don't think Atlanta knows what they're doing. <laughs> you know, is Clint Capella going to be available? Yeah, because the Kongwu yeah, is, yeah. I love a Kongwu. I, I think, yeah. I think Clint Capella, I think he's going to be on the way out because I think, think they're going to go a Kongwu over him. You know, t Toronto and Yaka Pertl is a, a big, the Hornets have a couple bigs that you could probably go and get if you really wanted to go and get them. But you just never know. You, you don't know. Who's going to decide to do what in the offseason, making guys available? So we'll, we'll see what happens. They The Grizzlies have put themselves in a good position to go out and, and fill that need, whatever it is. And and they, you know, we're talking about not wanting to see Jaron at the five. I'm kind of – I'm all about it's what you have around him. That, that matters. Like if you're going to play him at the five, the person that you have at the four is what matters. And right now you don't have the guy at the four on this roster to make up for Jaron's deficiencies. So 
maybe BC comes back and he is that guy. I just don't, I don't know that that's the case. And we've never had an opportunity to see that full season with both of these guys De like fully developed and BC's been out. So we don't know what he's going to look like, but Jaron's game is elevated and we haven't had a long run of Jaron playing at a high level with BC beside him to say, okay, now this is a complete roster. This is what it will look like. So maybe BC is that guy, but I'm not convinced that he is. I don't know that he's physical enough and he's undersized. That that's something that we we've talked about ad nauseum, like being undersized. And you can't be undersized in your wings and in your front court. Can't have it both like you you just can't do that. It's no, not, no, no. not unless you have two of the greatest shooters that have ever played the game on the same team. Yeah, no, I I, I just don't think it's fair to have BC coming off an injury like that and then be like, hey. We know we stuck you on the bench sometimes, even when we shouldn't have. But you're gonna start next year. You know what I mean? Like I just that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like you don't even know if he can fill the role to the same extent that he had before. And now it's almost like a contract situation where you're asking too much of a guy. And not to say that you know Ben Carter has risen to the moment on the bare rare occasion <laughs> where they actually start him. But there's been plenty of times people felt like BC should have started and they didn't start him because they needed that energy off the bench, right? And so to completely change his role, I think, isn't fair to him, nor is it fair to Jaron, uh, especially after that injury that he's coming off of. Yeah, I, I think people are putting way too many eggs in that Brandon Clark basket. Like, I, every time I see that, I just cringe. And people are just automatically assuming he's going to be back and he's going to be the same BC that we knew uh, but before the injury. And, that's just a, too much to ask of him, I think, because, again, I've said this a million times on here, but that injury is terrible for anybody, but it's even – you couldn't pick a worse player to have that injury than, than Brandon Clark. Like, a, the way that he plays, that pogo act, stick athleticism, I'm going to beat you off the floor uh, type of thing, that's that's him, and that's devastating for for that that type of game. And when, when guys come back from their injury, a lot of times it takes them – even when they come back, it takes them a year – or so to kind of be the same guy, if ever. So to think that he, you're going to be able to put him even a bigger role than he played a lot of times when he was pre-injury, that's just a lot to ask. I, I don't if, – if the plan is to go – and that's why it kind of scares me, Um, and I saw Candace come in on this too, when Kleiman talked about Jared at the five yesterday and that um, Taylor Jenkins liked that and we're playing him at the five and maybe they're, they're kind of hitting it, maybe that's the direction they're going to go. I don't like that at all. I don't – like the Jaron at the five and BC starting at the four going to the next season, that better not be the plan because if it if that ends up being the plan, man, it's gonna be gonna be a mistake. I mean, this team is not gonna be at its best with Jaron as a full time five. It, it's not best for him, and I don't think it's best for the team. It's just not the way to and go, not, and definitely, and definitely not BC starting at the four. Go ahead. It's not What's best for Brandon. Not just to interject, it's no. not best for Brandon. It's not best for him to. To take on a role that they've never asked him to play for any no, not at all. time ever, and then have him do it coming off of that injury, it's not fair to him. No, I mean, he needs to be brought along slowly. Like I, I, they said, it, they're going to let him play some this year, but I think even going into next season, you can't bring him out there like, oh man, you're going to be starting. You're going to play 35, 34 minutes right. um, as the starting power forward. Like, I just, that's how you get I, I don't think that needs to be the case. That's how you get re injured. Exactly. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I just you know like the needing the energy off off of the bench. That's something that they they've had to have from him in the past. And with the the emergence of Gigi Jackson, I think that he can be like he's a guy that can come in and bring the the scoring and the energy off of the bench. You got Vince Williams. That there's a lot of that like when we had BC coming off of the bench as energy. This team is the roster is in a completely different spot than when it where where we were then, and and I'm I'm not implying that I think that he can come in and be the starting power forward and it's going to work and that's like that's a hundred percent the plan. I'm just saying it's not unusual for a guy to change a role in the league, and talent wise, since so, since he's been on the roster, he's always been one of the best five players on this roster, in my opinion. I, I Well, I wasn't implying that the reason why he's got to come off the bench now was because of the energy thing. So that I'm all, I only referenced that because that's what they used to say. I agree with you that somebody else can be an energy booster. I'm not saying that's why he needs to stay on the bench. He needs to stay on the bench because we need to know what he looks like in his role first before we find out what he can look like in a potential new role. Coming off. Yeah, the I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I just – I personally think that's his best role anyway, even yeah. if he's a hundred percent healthy. I don't could I mean I guess guys get better, but yeah, I, I feel he's like I've seen enough of a sample size from him right. to know that he's probably better off the bench. If you're a championship team, I don't think Brandon Clark is your starting power four. Yeah. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he takes this huge giant leap, comes back off the injury, and is a much better player than he was pre-injury. But I feel like the sample size is big enough to to kind of think that he's that guy that you bring out the bench as your third big. I, I just – him starting at power. And, again, man, you're talking about coming off the injury. Even if he was healthy, I don't feel like – I wouldn't feel super confident going into the season with that being the plan. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I get it. I get I, I, I think that you have to have if, – if you're playing Jaron at the five, you have to have somebody physical – you have to have somebody that can match up with the bigger, stronger guys that Jaron struggles with. And yeah, that uh, a guy that's six eight coming off of an injury like that is probably not going to be that guy. So we'll see. There's plenty of time between now and next season. And based off of everything that Kleiman said in that presser, as a Grizzlies fan, he gave you plenty of reasons to be optimistic. So well, you know, he, he's done a pretty good job so far. And we, we've talked about this before of he's put talent on the roster. We've watched him put talent on the roster. A lot of GMs can put talent on the roster. Not a lot of GMs can construct a championship team. Does he have that gear? And we'll see. Yep. Well said. Uh, I don't really have much. We, we, we've gone um, – I guess maybe a little over an hour here, uh, and, and I'm running out of gas. My voice is is awful. I feel like I've swallowed uh, 80 grit sandpaper, or maybe even 36 grit at this point. Do oh, you guys got anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I was just going to say the Grizzlies. If you you're watching the the standings, the Grizzlies are now back in the sixth spot. They had been in the seventh lottery spot. Uh, just kind of looking at the standings, the highest that they could probably get as far as Finishing-wise, it's fifth. I mean, you can always jump up in the lottery, uh, but I think to finish the season, the highest that they can get 
is fifth. So you got the Portland Trailblazers who are currently in that spot and they're playing the Pelicans at home right now. And it's 70 to 66 Pelicans with 823 to go in the fourth. So it looks like scoring is a premium in that game. But I guess if you're a Grizzlies fan, you're pulling for, for Blazers wins. I don't think it's likely <laughs> that the Blazers won a lot of games, because I think they're going to be in tank mode down the stretch. But if you're trying to move up in the lottery standing, so to speak, I think Portland is kind of a team to watch and you, you'd want them to win games. So they're in a close one right now, man. Maybe they, they pull out an upset at home. And also a uh, weird, weird bit of news today. Uh, Rodney Hood uh, signed with the Memphis Hustle uh, today, which that's not something that I thought I would see on a bingo card. I mean, he's, like 31, 32 years old now, been out of the league for, I don't know when the last time he played. David, do you remember when he played? I know he played for Portland um, at some point, maybe two years ago, maybe, two or three years ago. Uh, was that the last time? I thought he had a run with Milwaukee. Maybe maybe he did. I just know he's been a – he's been out. I know I don't think he played last year, but, yeah, he signed with the Memphis Memphis Hustle today. So they got a vet, veteran guy down there, man, with some NBA experience. So I thought that was a little bit interesting when I saw that come across the wire. Yeah, he so he last played Milwaukee was his last run, 21-22. Who? It's just it's just interesting to see an older guy like that with NBA experiences. That's that's kind of unique uh to to have on on a roster down there. So I don't know if the, the Grizzlies would would think about giving him a look at all. If it, I don't know if he's gonna be down there for a while. It's just uh, that was just an interesting bit of news. Yeah, de- definitely odd you know like with him being down there it's not he's not a guy that you know because of his his length of time in the league you can't just like bounce him back and forth he's not going to be an option yeah. like that so yeah man he's down there trying to get trying to get back in the league man can't can't, can't knock the hustle he's willing to to work his way back so man that's that's interesting to see how how he plays down there so grizz grizz fans if you're interested in him it's a unique situation to have an nba veteran down there man you could Check him out, man, and see how we'll see how he does. And you know, like we're we're hitting the this the point of the season where teams have what is it? There's a deadline you have to sign before X date to be eligible to play on the playoff roster. He may just be going down there to get in basketball shape in hopes that he's going to sign with a contender. Yeah, yeah, I can I can I can definitely see that. All right, well, we will wrap it up. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Sorry I've struggled so much, man. It's fl- flu B this year, uh, zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Don't go out chasing it. Uh, you can get me on the X app at NBADWill21. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. You can find me at CandiceH901. Take us home, Isaac. Yeah, man. Thanks, thanks everybody for tuning in. You can go over to Eat Those Grizzlies, give us a like and a follow. Um, you can find me on my X feed at Isaac Double Underscore NBA. The Grizzlies will be back on the home floor. They got three games uh, before the All Star break. They'll take on the New Orleans Pelicans on Monday. They got a game against Houston on Wednesday, and the, the finale. I don't know if that's Thursday. I think it's Thursday um, against the Milwaukee Bucks, and then they'll be at the All Star break. So three games on the home floor, man. Hopefully they don't go. 0-3. Um, it's been a struggle at the grindhouse this season, to say the least, man. I don't know what it is on, on these homes and road splits, but they just play better, better on the road. It's just something they've just kind of done all year, but it'd be nice to get some more victories at the grindhouse. So, man, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Be gone.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.